Hey, you guys, welcome back to the So Looks Like Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here tonight. I have a very, very, very special guest. Her name is Tanisha Bankston. She has an amazing story that she's going to tell you guys. So make sure you comment, make sure you share this live stream, make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend because this is going to be a good one. I'm going to give you guys a few moments to get logged on and to share and everything, and then we'll get right into it. Welcome to the So Lux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. back and we are live and I hope you're ready because this this episode is going to be a blessing it's going to help some and just let you guys know that you know people are going through things in this world that you never really know about so I'm happy to have Tanisha how are you Tanisha I'm good thank you I'm happy to be here Thanks for joining us, of course. So um, just start off by telling the audience a little bit about you, how you grew up, and we'll just jump right into your story. Okay. My name is Tanisha Bankston. I'm from Grenada, Mississippi, born and raised. I'm 32 years old. I have three children, two girls, 18 and three, and one son, 15 and... uh, I just had a rough childhood growing up, and I'm 32 years old, and I'm in my healing stage. And so, so can you kind of tell us? You said you had a rough childhood growing up. So, um, what about it was rough? Well, I was taken from my mom at the age of five. I was separated from my two brothers and my sister, and I was adopted by my aunt. And I was raped at the age of nine, and I wasn't believed. And the man who raped me, he never was locked up. He was at my grandmother's house, and he had got on me, and he started, like, spreading my legs open. And he got on, like I said, he got on top of me, and he forced himself inside of me. He put his hand over my mouth, and I just was just trying to scream. I couldn't scream, and so I got I just managed to kick. It was like a carousel lamp on the floor. And it just, I remember seeing that lamp, that carousel lamp, like falling over on the floor. So, like, I see that it was lit, but it couldn't have been lit because the house then burned down. And mm-hmm. so I ran across the railroad tracks and I cried. I was crying for my mom. And I told my mom what had happened. And so she had called the ambulance. And the ambulance came and they took me to the hospital. And I remember seeing blood like on the white sheet, you know how on the on the stretcher on the sheet. Mm-hmm. But th- my mom told me that the man didn't get locked up because they couldn't prove that he was the one who had raped me when I knew it was him. I was nine years old. I was young, but I do remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. And like I can see myself looking out of a window. My mom said I had to learn how to walk again. And so, I mean, all of that, and this man still didn't get locked up. 
and all the abuse just kept going on. So, like I said, I was I was with my mom, but I was living with my aunt. But it happened like when I was with my mom, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I was ten years old, one of my aunt's boyfriend, he started having sex with me. He would give me money. He would give me like the little wrappers of change with coins and and dollars. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me to meet him and to walk through like a little alley. And so he would, from there, he would give me the money and he would just tell me, you know, he'll be like, you know, Shh, don't say anything, don't tell anybody. And he would take me to what was called the old dog town. And he would take me over there and he would have sex with me and lay me down and have sex with me. I mean, I was crying on the inside. I didn't mm-hmm. tell her because didn't nobody believe me, you know, the first time when I told her. So, you know, who would believe me this time? So how much how much money was he giving you? He was just giving me like coin like little wrappers of coins. Like pen, like the penny penny coin wrappers, maybe like dime wrappers. Like a couple dollars, dollars maybe. Yeah, and dollars and everything, like so I can go to the candy store and buy candy, you know. Mm. because we had a candy store in the neighborhood so let's back up to the guy when you were nine years old you said this happened at your grandmother's house yes i was at my grandmother's house so was anybody else there while this was going on or was it just i think my cousin was there but i can't remember if she was there for sure Mm -hmm. because everybody had left and went went to my great-grandmother's house and I was tired and I was sleepy, so I stayed there. And so the man, he stayed there too. Like he stayed and he was in the kitchen, like by the door. Like he had his back up against the door. And I was laying in the bed and I was just like, I was so tired. I was trying to, you know, keep my eyes open, but I mm-hmm. couldn't. And I just fell asleep. And next thing I know, he was on top of me, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I can imagine that was kind of traumatizing. At such a young age, um, but was that the first time you had experienced some type of sexual intercourse? Yes, when I was nine, that's the first time. Yeah, ever happened. Wow. So how old was he? He had to been in his thirties. He was a grown man. Like I can see him right, like right now. I can just see. I see the scar on his face and everything. I just see him. Oh wow. You know, I've seen him before and I asked him, why did he do that to me? And he said he didn't do that to me. He don't know why my people were saying that. And I, I know he did it. Mm-hmm. I know. So he's trying to act like you're crazy. Right. Like you don't, you don't know what's going on when you clearly have like a vivid picture of this happening to you. Right. Yes. And I tried to get my records from the hospital. They said that they purged them after 10 years. And, you know, that happened when I was nine and I'm 32 now. Mm. And so, but. So, okay. Kept going on for, you you know, kept going on. Like I said. He did more than one time? Not with him from like Mm -hmm. different guys. Like I said, when I was 10, one of my aunt boyfriends, he started having sex with me. And then when I was 11, the neighborhood grandson of the candy store. Like I used to go and buy candy from the candy store people. Mm-hmm. You know how you have candy store, like people to sell candy in your neighborhood. And I would go down there. Like he started watching me. 
And one morning he told me to come in. Nobody was in the living room but him. And he told me to come in. And so I went in like to buy something. And he told me I could have whatever I wanted. And he told me to come to the back. And he took me to the back room. He had like a quilt blanket already laying on the floor. Like he had already had this plan out. Like he knew what he was going to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so he pulled out a condom. I can see the condom. It was a red condom. And he just told me to lay down. He told me that everything was going to be okay. He used to write me letters and give me letters and everything. And he would tell me that how pretty and dark I was. He called me um, Black Barbie. And so he said that, yeah, because he said I was so pretty and I was dark. I was so pretty. And at 11 years old, I don't understand why a 30-year-old man, you know, would be telling an 11-year-old girl this. Yeah. so he had sex with me and he put his fingers in me and he just kept having sex with me. He had sex with me on my cycle. He ruptured my anus and he just, you know, he just did all those things to me. He did that for years and like kids would pick on me in school and say that I like older men, grown men, but I didn't like grown men. You know, Mm -hmm. I was being manipulated and taken advantage of by grown men. You know what I'm saying? And so he did that for years. And then when I was 13, my cousin husband ended up getting me pregnant. And yeah, one of my, my cousin husband, he ended up getting me pregnant. And he started getting me to like meet him at Spain's and everything and walk to meet him. And he would take me on the lake and have me to perform oral sex on him mm-hmm. and just turn porn on for me to watch porn, like masturbate. Like my cousins, they had they would see me going into their mom and dad room, but they didn't say anything. I guess because you know they was kids themselves. I was thirteen, so and they was like five and six, but they knew they knew about it. Didn't nobody know about it but them at the time. And then as my baby, I had my baby. Like I said, he got me pregnant at thirteen, and I had my baby at fourteen, and my cousin she was like, "My your baby starting to look like my husband. Is it his baby?" And, you know, I started crying. So yeah. she didn't know. So when when you were pregnant, um, you knew it was by him? I didn't know who it was because he was messing with me and the, the other guy was messing with me when I was 11 years old. So I didn't know whose baby it was. And so a DNA test was done. My, my aunt and her, which was my aunt's daughter, and they took, you know, they got ended up, we had to go to the courthouse and have a DNA test done. And I just felt like I was failed by the system, you know, coming in there with this grown man. At 13. At 13, nobody asked, why are they in here together having a DNA test done? Why is this grown man? And I felt like the system failed me, you know, social services. Yeah. Because I was adopted. You know, nobody ever asked. I felt like the school failed me because at the time, I was the only one in school pregnant. Because back then, it wasn't like how kids are getting pregnant now. Mm-hmm. And so, nobody ever said it. So, the DNA test came back, came back in the mail, and it was his baby. You know, it was proven that his baby. And he was never locked up. Never it was the cousin's, cousin's baby. My cousin's husband's baby. So, did she stay with him after this? She stayed with him. But she ended up leaving him, like, years after over yeah. something else, not over something else, right? Mm. So, did your aunt? Did you ever tell your aunt about her boyfriend? No, um, it was her husband. 
Oh wow. No, my cousin. The one you said that was giving you money. Was that your aunt's? Oh, her boyfriend. No, that's a different that was a different aunt. Not yeah, so somebody in the comments, they're asking what happened when the aunt found out. Did you ever tell the aunt about her boyfriend? No, I just told her about her boyfriend this year because I held all this in. Oh, like, yeah. I was just able to speak about this last year. So when the DNA test came back and she was like, your baby's starting to look like my husband. And y'all had the DNA test. Mm -hmm. They didn't feel like that was wrong? I guess not. I guess like nobody ever said anything. It was just like it was just, you know, it just went away, you know. For years, I mean, I couldn't take care of a baby at the age of 14. I almost died having my baby because the doctor said I was too young to be having a baby and that my bones were not ready to be, you know, mm -hmm. my bone and my body wasn't developed and produced. It wasn't ready to be having a baby. Mm -hmm. And so I kept like, I remember going in and out when they were like pushed and I just, I just, like out. yeah, like I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. But I ended up having her and. And then when I turned 14, my son dad, which is my son's dad now, he started having sex with me when I was 14. So all of this happened like in a neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. everything. And so one night me and my friend were walking down the street and he called me over there. He, he had a hot bag of hot chips and a pickle. So evidently he had been watching me to know that I like hot chips and pickles. <laughs> yeah. And so crazy, right? And so... He called me in the house and I went in the house and he was like, hey, dark child, you so pretty, you so pretty. Can't Will you be my girlfriend? He was 23 years old at the time and I was 14 years old. And so he had sex with me and he was like, do you want to be my girlfriend? I didn't know what to say. I wanted to say I no. I didn't know how to say no. And so he had sex with me and from then I was in a from the age of 14 to the age of 23, I was in a domestic violence. I don't even call it a relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in, I don't know what it was. I was with Yeah, because I was there for nine years. For nine, from the age of 14, he started jumping on me, putting me out, throwing my clothes out, throwing me and my kids out. He started jumping on you, like fighting you. He started fighting me, yes. Jumping on me, beating me spit in my face, told me I'd never be nothing. And just like when I would cook, he would knock the food out of my hand and and just everything. So yeah, he gave my furniture away to his sister and just, he would just beat me. He would come to my aunt house and just scream for me to come out, like cursing at me through the window and stuff. I believe she was scared of him. You know, mm-hmm. he was just, because all he did was just drink. Drinking when he got drunk, he would just jump on me, you know. Like I said, I was fourteen and he was twenty-three, and but he did that for nine years. But when he hit me with a baseball bat, I knew that I had to get out. And I was like, if I don't leave, he's gonna kill me. He just hit me. He just all he just hauled off and hit me with the baseball bat. Where did he hit you at? Like what part of your body did you get hit at? He hit me on my knee, like. When he hit me on my knee, my knee, then my shin, he just hauled off and hit me with it. And 
I was getting ready to go to work. I was working at the hospital at the time and I went to work and I just told my friends, I was like, I have to get out of this because, you know, if I don't, he's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And I had two small kids. Like I said, he got me pregnant when I was 17 and he was 26. And so, I mean, I, and I moved out from my aunt when I was 17. He got my own place and he just, he just kept on just jumping on me and just beat me and, you know, just having sex with me whenever he felt like having sex with me. And just like taking advantage it. of you. Right, yes. And my cousin husband, he was 33 and I was 13 when he started having sex with me. All those men were grown and I was a child and everything. So it's just so, I ended up losing my brother. He losing my brother to a drug overdose when he was 19. So that just really just put the icing on the cake. It just, you know, I was already going through this. I didn't, we were separated when we were young. Mm-hmm. And we are we didn't get to know each other and things like that. So it's just always just going on. And I suffer from nightmare, flashback, PTSD, anxiety, depression, from all this trauma that I've endured, you know, as a child. Yeah, I can imagine. It seems like the adults that were in your life kind of failed you there. You yes, know, I feel that way too. Um. It's one day for them to say that they can't prove that the guy at your grandmother's house slept with you. But for you to be 13 and have a baby by someone and DNA can prove that this is his child. Right. (laughs) Nothing was ever done. And it's just now that I'm old and 32, it's just like everything just hit me. Mm -hmm. I just. Woke up one more, like when I slid everything out last year, I started speaking July 3rd, 2020. And like I said, it was a release off of me, but I got a lot of backlash from my family saying that I knew what I was doing. I willingly gave it up and, and that, you know, I knew what I was doing, but nobody ever asked me was I okay. And, you know, you knew what you were doing, but it, I mean, it, it's still a crime. It's statutory rape. So, right. nobody. So, basically, they kind of blame you. Yeah, blame me like it was my fault mm-hmm. and everything. And I just went deeper into depression and suicidal thoughts and just, you know, just so much. And I just, just had to, I started praying more and just, Ask God to help me, heal me, and pull pull me through this. And he did. And, I mean, he just healed me. He delivered me, like, from all the pain. And, and I like, I, I lost my inner voice when I was raped at the age of nine. And I found my, I found my inner voice at the age of 32 last year when I started speaking. So, I want to speak for the ones, you know, who can't speak right now. And mm-hmm. I was the ones that person. And it's just like, I just had this ball in my heart, like all this pain, all this burden, all of this from being, I was just tossed around, you know, in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. by men. I mean. So I can imagine how that could be traumatizing. Someone in the comments says you were a child at the end of the day. um, And it's the adult's job to protect you as a child. And I totally agree. Um. 
Yes. Because, I mean, whether you knew what you were doing or not, at the end of the day, you were underage, so you couldn't legally make a decision to have intercourse with somebody, especially someone grown, and it'd be okay. So how did it make you feel to continue to, like, see these men walking around free um, knowing what they had done to you? It made me angry at first, but... I had to learn to, I forgave them, I forgave myself, and I just, I just, I feel like they all should be locked up for what they done to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I was locked up in prison in my mind. My mind was locked up in prison. Mm-hmm. And so I had all of these negative thoughts, all of these, you know, all these different people in my head and just, you know, those spirits and things just. But I just had to, I forgave them, but I, I feel like everybody, they all should be locked up. And then family incest, my cousins were having sex with me, funneling with me. Really? And like, yes. These were like older cousins? Huh? These were like older cousins? Yes, were- some of them were, and some of them were like a little younger than me. I mean, I never told any of that. I just, I just let everything get. When I started speaking last, last year in July, you know, I just let it all out. And people blame me and say it's my fault. Say that they see me walking to meet like my cousin husband, but nobody ever said like, come back, Tanisha. Like, why is this grown man? You know, why she wants this grown man? Why? What's going on? But yeah. they, they say that it's my fault. Like, I'm being provoked and lured by this grown man and other grown men. I mean, like the guy when I was eleven, when I was eleven years old, he ended up taking me to a motel, and the school called my aunt, and she called the police, and the police they came to the hotel. He had the hotel room in somebody else's name, and I was that little. He hid me in between the mattresses, you know, the mattress and the box spring. What? Yeah, he hid me between those. Like I was that little. I was. I like. I used to wear a size zero in clothes. I was just that little, and so, like, they were about to leave, and one police officer said, "No, hold on," and he lifted the mattress up. And there I was in between the mattress, the mattress and the box spring. Yes, they handcuffed him. He was just about to have sex with me. He was just about to have sex with me, and I was taken to the hospital where they did a rape kit on me. I don't remember them doing one on me when I was nine years old. They must have did because if they did, they would have known and seen that I was raped. Mm-hmm. But they did one when I was eleven years old because I never got my clothes back. They only found like a string of hair from him on me. And after they did the rape kit and everything, I was taken to the jailhouse, the police station, and he was too. They had us in separate rooms interrogating both of us. And they asked me if he had sex with me. And I told him no, you know, because he didn't have sex with me. And that didn't stop him from having sex with me. It just seemed like it just made it even, you know, worse. Because he would get me to sneak out of my window in my at my aunt's house, knock on the window late at night. Like, I have nightmares of me seeing him standing beside my window because I could, like, see him standing beside my window 
just watching me sleep. And he did that sometimes because I didn't have a, a curtain or a blind on my window. Why? Mm -hmm. I, there wasn't one on there that time. And so he would and he would give me to meet him. You know, he, it would be cold late at night. He would take me to the railroad tracks and put me in those, what are those things called? The containers, the train containers. Mm -hmm. Those, And he would have me to get in there and he would lay me down, lay his leather jacket on the ground, on the on the floor in there. And he would have sex with me. You know, he would stick his long fingers in me and he would take me to different people's houses. No grown person that knew about it ever said anything like, why are you messing with this child? Mm -hmm. Nobody ever said anything. People knew about it, but nobody ever said anything. Nobody. Nobody ever said anything. So in their minds, they think like, you know, this is okay. They can continue to do it. Do you think that they did it to other young girls as well? Or were you the only one that this happened to from them? I know. I think I I think I was the only one. I know my cousin told me that some of the guys tried to have the the guy that is my daughter dad, daughter dad now when I was thirteen and he was having sex with me. She said that he used to try to mess with her and my aunt's boyfriend. One of my aunt's boyfriend, the one that had sex with me when I was ten, she said he used to try to mess with her too. But she would tell her mom. I guess I just wasn't that strong. Mm -hmm. you know and brave enough you know because I got raped at nine and it's because before I was raped I was a happy child I was talking playing with my friend just just happy but it like it's like it did something to my mind it's like it created a shift it's like I instantly went into a shell like how a butterfly is in a is in a cocoon like a caterpillar and then in a mm -hmm. cocoon and then it's like now I have hatched into my butterfly. I'm in, I'm that beautiful butterfly now. But all those years I've been trapped. My, I've been trapped in prison in my mind. And just now I'm free. I'm healed. And I'm able to speak about it and tell about it, you know, and everything. And I just want to, you know, share my story and pray to help the next person, woman, child, because I was a child. And while my friends were outside playing, I was in the house, you know, trying to take care of baby i didn't know how to take care of baby i was just a baby myself so how how was that because i know it's hard like i got kids and it's hard taking care of kids so did he help you any did the cousin's husband ever help any like no, he never did help when when she got older when i got i think it's like when i got 18 or older and I think I put him on child support because before he wasn't on child support mm -hmm. and everything. And, you know, my aunt and her daughter had to help take care of my baby because I was 14. I couldn't take care of the baby. And I remember me, like, when my daughter turned three, I remember putting her on the Head Start bus and me getting on the bus myself because I had my daughter when I was in the eighth grade. Mm. And so, and I had my son when I was in 11th grade. And so I remember, like, putting them on the bus and taking them to daycare and stuff like that. You know, me as being a kid myself. And so my childhood was stolen from me. And I just didn't have a childhood. I can imagine. Like, my childhood has affected my adulthood. So looking, so the men that raped you, 
you continue to see these people after all this was going on. Yes, right. Yes. And um, so the guy that raped you at your grandmother's house, did he continue to come to your grandma's house after that? After being accused? I don't, I don't think so, because I, I didn't remember seeing him anymore. Was he a family member, or was he just there? He was just somebody that was He there. was just there, like, uh, my grand, my grandmother boyfriend or her daughter boyfriend, somebody that they were messing around with. And mm. he was watching me, and he ended up messing around with me. And he said he didn't do it, but I know he did it. My mom said I had to relearn how to walk again. Like I said, I see myself looking out of this window. I could see myself staring out of a, a window. Like with a gown on as a little and just when he raped me, like I said, my brain, my mind just it shifted. Mm-hmm. From I just I was just in a shell that I never came out of. I just I was just and then the abuse and everything it just kept happening. Like men just kept on having sex with me until I escaped, you know, when I was twenty three. And just but I have you know, CLC. My son, dad, my daughter, dad, but it just, it, it's a trigger to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a trigger. Those are some of my triggers. Like, So are they active in the kids' life? My daughter, dad isn't, but my son, my son is with his dad. Mm. So. The son, is that, which, which one is that? The one you have first or second? Second. My daughter is 18 and my son is 15. Oh, okay. So this was the cousin's husband. Of my daughter. And then okay. My, my cousin husband is my daughter's dad. Okay. So my, my daughter and her cousins, sisters and brothers and cousins. Mm. Right. Because he, her husband, because they had kids together. Mm. And he ended up getting me pregnant at 13. And yeah. I had her at 14. And your and son was the one that was abusive. Yes. And then okay. when I was 14, he was 23 for years. Oh, wow. So he, I guess, decided to be in a relationship with you since y'all were together for so long. Like 14 and up until. So 23. Uh, 23. Yeah. Uh-huh. He just said that that we were in a relationship and just and just from like I said, from 14 to 23. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. So um I know your kid, your son's fairly young, but does he have any idea as to what happened? Yeah, to you? my son and my daughter. Mm-hmm. They both know. They both, yeah. So was he abusive in front of the kids? Yes. Like, just a lot and everything. Like, my son started getting out of control, out of hand. I couldn't do nothing with him. He's fought me twice. My teenage daughter has fought me twice. And so I just, you know, sent him to live with his dad. And it was just, it was bad. But... Yeah, I can imagine. Um, 
Because, I mean, he grew up watching his dad fight you. So he's thinking, you know, it's okay to put his hands on women. And, you know, that's something we should be teaching in our households that it's not. But, I mean, how can you really teach that if it's happening? Right. Happening there. Did you ever have to call the police on him or think to call the police on his dad? Yes, he ended up with two domestic violence charges against me, but that didn't stop him from still sneaking in my house. Like, one night, he turned all my lights off, snuck in my house, and he was in there waiting on me. And I had this vibe, and I just turned around and ran out of the house. I had the police officer sitting outside waiting on me so I can go in there and get some clothes. And because I wasn't going to stay at my house, you know, because I was scared to stay there. Mm-hmm. And he was in the house. And like he, he broke in? Hmm? Like he broke in the house? And was yeah, waiting. he broke in my house. Yeah, because I had a restraining order against him and everything. And that didn't keep him from breaking in my house, you know, breaking my furniture, giving my sisters, giving his one of his sisters some of my furniture. He gave her my big screen TV, my kids' bedroom sets, and just, I ended up being garnished and having to pay for furniture I didn't have that his sister had, and that wasn't fair. And I went to his sister because I knew she had it, and I asked for my furniture back. Like, this is my furniture. I'm paying for it. So what happened? She said she didn't have it, but I know she had it because I've seen it. I know my, I knew it was mine. She didn't have that furniture at first, so it's mine. But she never gave it back to me, and I ended up being garnished, having to pay for it. That's not fair. And it's just like, but I mean, I'm, I'm on my healing journey now, and mm-hmm. I found myself, and I'm loving myself. And How is that healing process being? Because I can only imagine you suffering from some type of, you know, trauma from nine up until adulthood um, when you were finally able to talk about it. So I know you said you did your first speaking gig last year. So has has that kind of been helping with the healing process? Has that been like a form of healing? You actually getting your story out there and telling others what happened to you? Yes, it helps a lot. It helps, but I get a lot of backlash from some of my family members, you know, saying that, why am I saying this? Why am I saying that? Why am I saying this about my aunt? I mean, I just feel like I wasn't protected. You know, yeah, I'm not blaming I mean, my aunt. has something to say. I mean, a guilty always speaks, so they say. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, she took you in, um, but someone that was close to her, someone that I guess you went through her, started to rape you at a young age. Right. And, um, so I can't remember. Did you say your you told your aunt about this, or you did you didn't tell her about the boyfriend? No, I just like last year. I just started, like I said, letting everything out. And this year, I've told my aunt about her son, which was my cousin. He used to have sex with me and used to 
put my foot on his penis to masturbate. And I just told her about that this year from my aunt that I was a, that who adopted me that I was staying with about her son. You know, like I said, I'm 32. I'm just not able to speak about this. I held all this in from the age of nine up until now. That's a long time, 27 years of holding all this in. And I mean, it wasn't easy letting it all out. It was not easy. And then, like I said, on top, I lost some of my family members behind speaking and letting it out. But nobody ever asked me was I okay. And, you know, and say that they hear, they're here for me. I mean, no, I I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I was hurt. I wasn't protected. Yeah. You know? No one ever said, like, I'm sorry for for not being there for you. Um, for not no. believing you or not protecting right. No, my cousin husband, I had seen him one day at a store and he said that he apologized. He said he was sorry and he said he don't know what we were thinking, like he and I. He said he don't know what, like, you say you don't know what I was thinking. I mean, I was 13 years old. You were 33 years old. I didn't ask you to touch me, you know? I didn't come <laughs> on to you. Yeah, I don't know what we were thinking. Like, what were you thinking? Sleeping with a child. Right. Yeah. I can only imagine. Um, so kind of what are you doing now to kind of continue to get through this? Are you just kind of speaking? Do you kind of want to tell us what you have in the works or is that kind of still something you're waiting to talk about? <laughs> I'm speaking and I'm writing a book about my life story and I finished my manuscript and I'm just looking for an editor and to, for somebody to help me to self-publish my book and I'm just going to keep speaking and sharing and telling my story and my fiance, he's supportive, he talks to me and it's not easy because, you know, I go in and out sometimes but it's, it's getting better and... You know, just working on having a better relationship with my teenage children. And I have a three-year-old baby girl. And just, you know, just working on healing and enjoying life. And just moving forward from the past. And just, yeah, it seems like you kind of missed out on life. Um, just from experiencing those things at such a young age. And I can imagine, like, kind of were there days that you like didn't think about it you were able to kind of block it out of your mind or was this like something you thought about on a daily basis since it was occurring so often well i suppressed it for a long time and like in my late 20s like in my early 20s i would always think about it and i would be like want to post about it and just speak about it and tell somebody but i just didn't know how but when i got 32 and I just feel like God gave me my power and said, I got you. I will mm -hmm. lead you. And and I was introduced to groups on Facebook, supportive groups on Facebook. So where I can just share my story, I wouldn't be judged. Because I've always worried about what other people thought and said about me based off because of all the things that I've been through. And how they blamed me and said it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, now I don't care what nobody have to say. I'm speaking. I'm telling my story. I'm writing my book and I'm looking to do start a podcast and my own organization to help women and children who've gone through what I've gone through. Because like I said, I feel like social services failed me too. 
yeah. the hospital, you know, the court system. Nobody ever asked, why was this child in here with this grown man? Or why was this, why are they in here taking a DNA test? Like, let's look into this. Mm-hmm. And the DNA test come back, his baby, and he still wasn't locked up. Like, yeah. it's just. They definitely failed you. Um, I'm actually surprised, you know, as much as DHS and HR tries to be in people's business about how right. somebody's in a household that they never um, looked into this situation any further. Right. And I was adopted. So I don't know if, I don't think social workers were coming by or I don't, I don't remember seeing any social workers. I just remember a nurse coming by showing me how to like clean my baby umbilical cord and everything, how they, how we clean around it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I just felt like I was, you know, like the system, the school, like I was just failed and everything. Yeah. So, and I just didn't have no childhood. I lost my childhood. I wanted to go off to college. I didn't get a chance to go off to college because, you know, I was a mom at 14 and 17. Yeah. So, I mean, I graduated college in 2010 with my associate's degree, but I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to do things. I, I didn't. I didn't expect to be pregnant at 14, 13 and having a baby at 14, not even 17. You know, you still a kid at 17. Right. You know, so, and, and that's. How was that for you, like going through school? Because 13, you're in what grade? Like, seven, yeah, I was in seventh grade and I had her when I was in the eighth grade. I fell kindergarten because my mom, she didn't send me to school for 60 days. I missed 60 days out of school, so I had to repeat kindergarten. Yeah, my mom my mom had me when she was 16, and my mom suffers from bipolar and schizophrenic, and it's like she couldn't take care of, take care of us. And she just recently told me that she was raped. Like, God used to do the same thing to her. And it's like her mind, she goes and comes. But she's bipolar and schizophrenic, and I just thank God that I still have my right mind, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, I go and come, I go in and out sometimes. Like, our days, our days are in and out, but I just, I have to snap back because I, I'm in that, that deep thought. Like, my mind is just all over the place from yeah. all, all that's been done to me. Well, it kind of sounds like you're breaking a generational curse, being that your mom experienced the same kind of trauma, and then you. Um, so I'm glad that you're the one that's speaking out and actually having a voice. It. So did she never speak out and say what happened to her? No, she never. Like my mom really don't talk. She just she just flip out sometimes. She drinks and she just flip out. I think that's how she copes with things. Mm-hmm. Like that's how she deals with it. I mean, I write a lot. I write everything down, and I just journal a lot, and I just that that helps me a lot. But mm-hmm. she just she's never spoken out about it. She's never said anything, and and they said that she was really smart in school, and she dropped out with me when she got pregnant at sixteen. And like older guys were taking advantage of her and raping her. I remember watching her get beat by older men. Like, she sliced one man. She almost killed him because he beat her with a broom. She ended up going to prison. Like, wow. my mom been in and out of prison all my life. 
from growing up and everything. And so, like, this man, and that was traumatizing, watching my man, my mom get beat by this man, other man. One man beat my mom with a hammer. And just, you know, just seeing all of that, it was just very traumatizing and everything. Yeah. We don't have a relationship, me and my dad, we don't have a relationship either. But when I got pregnant at 13, I just felt like he failed me because I didn't have an abortion. I didn't know what an abortion was. And I asked the doctor, the nurse, what was an abortion? She told me that it's like killing your baby. And I just told my dad, the nurse and my stepmom that I was not going to be killing my baby. You know, I even though I didn't want a baby, but I didn't I wasn't gonna kill my baby because like they said, if you would have got older, if you wanted to have more kids, it would be harder for you to have kids. Some people body get messed up and everything. And I just felt like my dad felt me, you know, because I was staying with my dad some and I was staying with my aunt some from two weeks at a time. But I was safer at my dad's house because none of the abuse and anything like no man could touch me there. Like, my dad never done anything to me. My dad, you know, he was big in church, going to church. We went to church and everything. But I was safe there. But at my aunt's house, that's where all the abuse happened to me at. Like, like the men had access to me. Like, manipulating me, luring me, taking advantage of me, and having sex with me, and using my body. Like I say, my anus, rupturing my anus, having sex with me on my cycle and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot. So well, was your aunt when all of this was going on? She was at the house. And she just, yeah. like, she didn't care where you went. Like, if you would just leave the house, she didn't really ask like, questions. She didn't just say nothing. She said she told me to leave those guys alone. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, what about telling them to leave me alone? No. Yeah. So, she, did, did she tell you that? Yeah. She when said she told me to leave them alone. I can't remember her telling me that, but she said she told me to leave those grown men alone. But, you know, I just felt like I wasn't protected. You know, I love my aunt and everything. I love her to death. I'm not blaming her for anything. I just felt like I wasn't protected, you know. I just yeah, like I'm not going to watch my daughter or anybody that I'm taking care of. I know they're underage and have sex with older men and me not step in and call the police and press and charge and do something. Not right. saying it's her fault, like, and if you're watching, all not your fault. But at the same time, I do feel like adults could have stepped in and done more um, for you in that situation. So nobody ever suggested that you get any type of therapy. Yeah. Mm. So you just kind of had to cope and deal with it. Did you ever result to like drugs or alcohol to kind of help deal with the pain? No, I thank God I did not. I thank God I didn't. You know, so I just, and I said I was going to go get my aunt and just take her out to eat and sit down with her and just talk to her. You know, I'm not blaming you. Just let her know I'm not blaming her. I just felt like I wasn't protected. And, you know, this is my story. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell it and I'm going to, you know, share it. I'm writing my book about it. And like I said, I'm not trying to hurt her, but I just felt like I wasn't protected. I'm not blaming her. I blame those men because mm -hmm. they took advantage of me. You know, I was just a child, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. That's just a child. Yeah. And everything. And they were just taking advantage of me and, and having sex with me and, and doing all kinds of things to my body. 
My body wasn't ready to for all that. I wasn't studying no sex. I wasn't thinking about sex. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just this fast girl. And I believe that's what, you know, the system probably looked at. Like, oh, this is just another fast black girl out there having sex. But that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Not on my end. I was all about school. But I was just being taken advantage of. And just, I still managed to graduate high school, graduate college. And still just going to school in school. I have my license, license insurance agent, just going to school, just focusing, you know. Wow. So, um, if there happens to be a, a, a girl out there or a guy, because guys do get taken advantage of by older women, um, someone I know personally a guy actually told me that when he was younger, he was sexually abused by his babysitter, like a girl that his mom hired mm-hmm. to watch them while she was at work. She would make him have sex with her. Of course, like mm. he's like a young boy at this time. He's naive. He's enjoying it. But as he got older, he realized, like, you know, wow, she... It was rape, like it was statutory rape. Right. Yeah, and he said that um him experiencing that caused him to kind of want to have sex a lot and do all these other things that he felt like he was like pre-exposed to before he really wanted to. Because right, her, you know, he was a virgin. He wasn't didn't have his mind on that. He just would take him in the room and um play with him, I guess get him on hard and make him have sex with her. She would get on top of him and have sex with him. So um, it definitely happens to men too. I know a lot of men probably don't want to admit it and say that they were right, but it it definitely happens. You aren't alone. So what is one thing that you would say to victims, sexual abuse victims, if they may be watching this or hear this later? I would say to them, like, find somebody that they're comfortable with, talk to them, and tell it, and to let them know that they're not alone, and to just report it to somebody, and just, they're not alone. You definitely aren't, because there's so much going on out there, and I'm so thankful that you had the courage, and you know you were willing to come on the podcast and you. tell your story and just get it out there. I pray that it reaches whomever it's supposed to reach, because I don't I don't feel like God puts us through things without a purpose, even though like while we're going through it, we may not understand, but at the end of the day, I feel like we all go through something to help the next person. Um, Right. Do you kind of feel like that's your testimony? Um, yes, I do. I feel like, you know, and I want to encourage every woman, every child, and every man that's gone through what I've gone through, childhood sexual abuse, or who's going through it, domestic violence, you know, and to let them know that they're not alone and that their voice too needs to be heard, but that's why I want to speak for the voices that the people that don't have the courage right now and pray that my my story touches someone and that gives them the courage to open up and to speak because there are so many you know private 
social clubs out there. There's so many private Facebook groups out there that, you know, that you can go in those groups and you can share your story or they can mm-hmm. inbox me or they can call me and just to talk. You know, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to and to get it out that's going to listen to you and not be judged. You know, we don't open up so much. We don't talk about it so much because we worry about being judged and not being believed. Like, I wasn't believed. So, but, you know, God, God helped me and strengthened God me. Definitely. So, if someone is going through something and they kind of want to reach out to you to talk to you about it, how can they get in contact with you? They can call me. My number is 662 699 0785 or they can send me a message through messenger or they can email me at tbankston24 at yahoo.com and we can go from there and i'm yes. glad to talk i'm an advocate i'm a domestic violence advocate for a group called stand and i'm also a domestic violence advocate for a group called nasca and so i can just help them and everything and I'm an instant, yeah, like I said, I'm an incest survivor, domestic violence survivor, a rape survivor, a childhood survivor, sexual abuse survivor. And I'm just, I'm here. And I just thank God I don't look like what I've been through because I've been through it. And now it's my time. I found my voice, so I'm moving forward. Beautiful. I love it. Um, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Thank you so much, Tanisha, for coming on the podcast. So brave and telling your story. <laughs> happy you. to have you. Um, you guys definitely like, share, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. And again, like she said, if you have gone through anything like this or you're currently going through it, don't feel like you won't be believed because people have gone through this and people like Tanisha and myself, I'll even be an open ear. If you can't get in contact with her, contact me. I can put you in contact with her. And, you know, don't suffer alone. Don't suffer in silence. You don't have to do that. So, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you.